Where's that dust coming from? Still finding debris after vacuuming? Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has 8,000 PA of powerful suction to remove debris deep in carpets. And it's totally hands-free. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's E-U-F-Y.com and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. Welcome back to another week. Welcome back to another episode. Welcome back to If I Didn't Laugh, I'd Cry. How is everyone doing? How is everyone feeling in the run-up to Christmas? Are you stressed? Have you done your Christmas shop? Why does Christmas mean so much to you? Because <laughs> as for me, listen, I've been winging it this year. I have been winging it this year. In my family, we do a little secret Santa thing because we don't get presents for everybody. Because first of all, it's too expensive. Second of all, life's too short to be stressed out about every single member in your family. So we do little um, draw names, randomizer kind of thing, do secret center. My secret center, all I'm going to say is, okay, I'm not involved because I've taken it so easy this year. Um, But besides that, I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody is feeling good. I hope everybody is feeling the joy in their hearts. And although this festive year, well, this festive time has nothing to do with Jesus, let's let's think about Jesus anyway, you know what I mean? Because we know, you and me know, we're off to heaven, you get me? And you and me know, Jesus wasn't born in December. Batty. Patty, here we are. Anyway, um, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm recording this at my parents' house. So if you're hearing any strange noises, I'm not at home. You get me. Um, but otherwise, the week's gone good. Um, me, my sister, Dalu, and the girls, we're traveling for a little excursion. That's the one. Um, we're getting away for like two days. It's just two nights and two, two days and two nights. And, yeah, I'm excited for it, even though it's going to be cold and stuff. But I'm excited. I like things like this because it's, like, spontaneous. Let's go, let's go. You get me? Um, Anyway, guys, it's just me. So let's get into it. The only thing I've got to get off my chest is probably parking tickets. How did I get a parking ticket? You parked here for too long. The parking limit is an hour and 30 minutes. You parked for an hour and 46 minutes. We're charging you £100 for 
for 16 minutes, a hundred pounds. Guys, guys, greed is mad, isn't it? For, uh, 16 minutes, 100 pounds. That's crazy to me. So that's not good. And I missed the um, cutoff. You know how you can pay half? I missed the cutoff. But how well I don't let things like this stress me out anymore. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I can't let it stress me out anymore. Um, because, yeah, your signs aren't very clear. They should have massive signs in orange or yellow saying warning don't park for too long like but they have like this tiny little minuscule signs and they're like and it's like a mcdonald's car park as well for the cheek we were in the car eating and watching a little movie because we had time um me lives on dalu and you think i am going to what squint my eyes to look at your sign that's like all the way up on a street lamppost <laughs> so high up i can't even read it but yeah, whatever. If I didn't, if I didn't laugh, I'd cry. You get me. Um, but that's it. That's what I've got to get off my chest. And embarrassing. If I didn't laugh, I'd cry. Story. Now I don't know if other people will find this embarrassing in it, but for me, where is the sniper? Where is the sniper? Because this is your target. I'm right here. So um, on Saturday, I went um, to my parents' Sabbath school. This Sabbath school class is the one I usually attend. So they are studying the lesson that we're studying at my church you know what I mean it's the adult class so I went to their class and my dad um was made, made a point or whatever and then he was like oh by the way this is my daughter she's with us today rah, rah, rah. I let that one go you get me cool dad you're excited I'm here but <laughs> but there's no need <laughs> I am so shy <laughs> um so everyone is looking at me and they're all waving. They're like, hi, hi. And I'm just there like Blue Ivy, you know, Blue Ivy coming out at that concert. I didn't go to no concert, you get me? I was just watching it on TikTok. But her little wave, that's basically me. I'm like, hello, hello. I'm thinking, dad, what is this? Anyway, the lesson goes on. It gets a little bit heated. Points are being made. Rah, rah, rah. Some people are saying hella controversial things, you know, and I'm just there like, rah. But, you know, me, couldn't keep my mouth shut. When, when the spirit is in the room, You've got to bring in some facts, you get me. But then again, I could be wrong. I could be the one who was in the wrong. Um, but that's why we go to these Sabbath school lessons, isn't, isn't it? It's to learn, to bring about points, um, opinions. But to me, I feel like less of the opinions, more scripture, you get me. Let's edify one another using the word of God. Let's not just spew out our own personal opinions. But I digress. Anyway, at the end of the lesson, at the end of the lesson, I think my dad's the one who prayed. I think they asked my dad to pray, if I'm not mistaken. And my guy goes, oh, and by the way, my daughter has a podcast. Um, the name of it is If I, if I, um, <laughs> for the cheek. And my mom was like, if I don't laugh, I'll cry. And I, <laughs> and I was like, if I didn't laugh, I'll cry. But I just want the ground to go home. Chew me up. You get me? Why are you, dad? I don't even advertise this on the internet. I want to, but yo, the yo, you know what I mean? Um, my guy just advertises the thing, and people are like, oh, really? Oh, really? And I'm just there, like, oh my gosh. Yeah, I felt so hot. I think I started sweating right there and then. And then after, um, a couple of people came up to me and was like, what's the name of the podcast? And I'm just there, like, oh. <laughs> If there is something that is awkward for your girl, is talking about herself. 
It's things being pointed out right there and then in front of everybody else. Oh my gosh. Don't, don't. I don't know how I'm going to do at my wedding. I'm going to have to run away. I'm going to have to like be behind like a, um, a, 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 a screen or something so that no one sees me because if that is going to be giving speeches or people are going to be giving speeches place place sedate me sedate me <laughs> i can't be here for this but anyway that's it really it's really cute actually let me just say it's really cute but the funny thing to me is my dad's listened to like what half an episode and he's busy blaring it out she's doing great things on there ah dad thanks so much some 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 parents just say i'm proud of you but my dad advertises it. So, dad, if you're listening to this, yeah, well, Batty, I'm shy, dad. I'm shy. You know this. <laughs> Let's move on. Let's move on. Anyway, we continue. We continue on the journey of Tawonga. Why don't you believe in this or that? Why Christianity? Why Seventh-day Adventist? So today we are going to discover Tawonga, why not Catholicism? So let's get into it. So the overview of what Catholics believe, right? The core beliefs of the Catholic faith are, I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. Snaps, fingers. You get me? That's a good start. It's a good, strong start. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages, um, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial, consubstantial with the Father. Through him all things were made for us men and for our salvation. He came down from heaven and by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried and rose again on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead and his kingdom will have no end. Snaps fingers. This is great. I love this. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. Yes. I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. No, <laughs> that's where they lose me, places like that. But you know what? Some might say that's a minor. Okay, it's a little minor details, have you noticed, that make the full picture what it is. So this particular point could slide under the radar because, you know, the rest of the points were good. But I believe in one holy Catholic apostolic church. Personally, no, I don't. You don't need to declare allegiance to a church. You need to declare allegiance to a God. You know what I mean? Um, the church's name means nothing. It's what you worship that means everything. So you've lost me there. Let's carry on. Um, the Catholic Church is the original Christian church, which began when Jesus himself, um, which began when Jesus himself, when he said to the apostle Peter, Peter, 
You are the rock on which I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Every pope since then has been part of an unbroken line of succession since Peter, the first pope. Okay, so before we go any further, let's read that. Let's read what they're talking about. I'm going to start from, from verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say that, say to you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth um, will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus, the Christ. It's interesting how they've interpreted that as Peter being basically a pope. They, they have basically said, because Jesus said this to Peter, Peter was made a pope by Jesus, but I haven't seen any of any of that. What is basically saying to what Jesus is basically saying to Peter is you have got faith and no one revealed that to you. You know what I mean? No one revealed that to you. Besides the father, my father who is in heaven, God's own spirit revealed that to you because they were traveling with him the whole time. If you read the gospels, like he would say things, he would do things, but none would understand really. They would later on go, what did you mean by that? Well, earlier, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it means that Peter was truly being observant to what Jesus was doing and to what Jesus came to do. And, and the, the father revealed to him, just as jo, um, John the Baptist declared um behold the lamb of god which takes away the sin of the world no one no man could reveal that to him you know what i mean so jesus is now responding to you to to um peter saying that you are peter and on this rock right i will build my church this faith this rock him yeah jesus that means and the, Hades, the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. We know that those who die, those who um, die and live in Christ will not perish, but have everlasting life. You know what I mean? So the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You know what I mean? And against the church. The church is not the building. It's not the pomp. It is the people that make up the church. That's why I say to you, the name of it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're called Catholic, if you're called Seventh-day Adventist. We could be called the Seventh-day Salvations, right? As long as we are adhering to God's ordinances and God's law and God's living word, that's the Bible. He'll build his church. He'll build his people. You know what I mean? And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I think we have spoken about this before, right? It means if I 
don't forgive anyone on earth, that person is also not forgiven by me in heaven. He was talking to Peter here. He wasn't talking to a church, if that makes sense. So following that, if we go to um, second, first Peter 2 verse 4, coming to him as to a living stone rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer a spiritual sacrifices and to, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it, it is also contained in the scripture. Okay, behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Okay, listen, when when the Bible uses things like this, like I will build my church on this rock, I'll build my church on this rock, I'll do this, the chief cornerstone, da, 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 da. Let's not take it as if he's given authority to one man to establish a church in order to, to bring all people to Christ. Christ was establishing the church. He wasn't giving permission to a man to establish the church because he was establishing the church. You understand? So that's why, you know what I mean? They've lost me there. But let's carry on. Let's carry on on why I don't, you know, on the, on the beliefs of the Catholic Church. Catholics believe that they're Christians, all right? Um, in the early church, the gospel was preached by those who had known Christ or who had his, um, known his apostles. The apostles handed on their preaching and writing to all generations through bishops who continued to preach the truth revealed in the gospel. This living transmission of the word of God is called tradition, which is distinct from scripture but closely tied to it. Tradition infuses the entire life of the church and along with scripture comprises the deposit of the word of God. Hmm. They are basically saying what we believe and what we do is we mix a little bit of tradition with the word of God. Do you know what I mean? We, we have done these things throughout the ages and that's what the Catholic church is. Right. Um, it's the gospel preached by the bishops uh, through the ages and stuff like that. Um, and this is called tradition, which is distinct from scripture, but closely tied to it. If you are teaching anything that is separate to scripture, something's wrong. But let's move on. Um, the sacrament is a reconciliation. This is talking about, you know, why Catholics um, confess their sins to a priest. The sacrament of reconciliation, also called, called penance or confession, was created by Jesus himself when he said, as the father has sent me, even so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on him and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. John 20, verse 21 to 23. Let's go and read that real quick because what we're not going to do is not read ourselves and just take their word for it. So John 20, verse 21 to 23. Let me just start from 19. When then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst of them and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hand and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So this is when Jesus had resurrected. 
So Jesus said to them again, peace, be, peace to you as the father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. This does not mean that a man has permission to forgive the sins of another man on behalf of God. Am I making sense? This is not the case. Sometimes we wrong people. We don't even know we've wronged somebody. Now, if I don't know I've wronged you, like, and you don't forgive me, that's why he was saying to Peter, whatever you bind up on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This is basically similar. Or one and the same thing, essentially, the way I look at it anyway. If I don't forgive that person who wronged me, whether they've apologized or not, their sins are not forgiven in heaven. They don't know that they wronged me. You know what I mean? Jesus on the cross said, forgiven father, for they do not know what they do. That's the key of what it is I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. When people don't know what they're doing, when people are doing things in ignorance, when people are being disruptive in your life in ignorance, they do not know what they're doing. Why keep it in your heart? Why, why bind those things? Why not forgive that person? Why have hatred in your heart and keep that poison in your heart towards somebody who has no clue that they offended you? All right. So to me, it's like, it's, 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 it's cute. If that makes sense, like the way they tie up, it's in a nice little bowl, but it's deceiving and it's misleading because you're taking the translation of these words to mean something that we have been given, the Catholic Church has been given authority, solely the Catholic Church. We are able to forgive the sins of the men of the world, but this is not what it's talking about. I can forgive the sins of somebody. But they're saying, let me carry on, let me carry on. You understand? The idea of confessing our sins to another is um, to another person is also in the Bible. In James 5 verse 18, the apostle tells us, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The sacrament of reconciliation is known in the church as a sacrament of healing. Listen, th this basically is saying what I've just said. We are meant to forgive one another. We're meant to pray for one another. If somebody wrongs me, I should pray for them. I shouldn't have any will, Ill wishes towards them. Okay, so um, for a Christian, Catholics consider themselves Christians, I've already said that, a Catholic is a Christian who subscribes to the teachings of the Catholic Church and regularly participates in sacrament of the same church. When a Christian stops doing these, these things, he moves, away from the he moves away from Catholicism. Some Catholic boasts of rejecting certain church teachings. These are sometimes called cafeteria Catholics. But they are really just dissidents who are moving towards outright Protestantism. In contrast, a Protestant is a Christian who subscribes to core Catholic teachings, Trinity, Incarnation, Bible, etc., but rejects many of the Catholic Church's other teachings, e.g., Pope, Hierarchy, Mary, Saints, Sacraments, Purgatory. Okay? Um, you can find this on worldpolecatholic.net. I'm going to link it in the bio. But um, it goes on to say about, you know, Catholics worshiping Mary because she was chosen and she was given, she was found favor in God's sight. Um, they, do, do they worship the Pope? They, they don't worship the Pope. But as a vicar of Christ, Christ's church, 
the Pope governs the Catholic Church and as its supreme head. The Pope, as Bishop of Rome, is the chief pastor and the shepherd of the whole church. They believe that the Pope is a successor of Peter and his bishops are successors of the 12 apostles. Now, let me just leave it here for now. And we are going to read, basically, um, go down the list of what I usually go through. Catholics on creation, meaning of life, day of worship, origins of evil, Jesus, salvation, heaven and hell. Okay, before I continue, though, I just want to let you know that what I am going to be reading and sharing with you is taken from their own doctrines. Again, I will link it in the bio. And this is taken from um, from the convent's catechism of Catholic doctrine. Now, I'll give you a brief overview of what this is. The convent's catechism aims at presenting religious truths in the order of their relative importance to the sincere non-Catholic. It emphasizes controverted points in a special manner while stating the Catholic doctrine clearly. There are two views of life, the divine and the human. The one is true, eternal and immutable, the other false, temporal and changeable. The former is in, in perfect accord with the right reason, enlightened by faith, the latter, the result of reason alone, is invariably distorted by ignorance, prejudice, or passion. Catholics take the former view of life, men of the world, the latter. Between these two classes, there are many honest souls groping in darkness of semi-darkness or semi-darkness seeking the light. It would be demanding it would be demanding too much to require these to embrace the Catholic view in all detail before receiving the light of faith. They can, however, be expected to follow the guidance of right reason and the prompting of grace and thus advance gradually on the right way to realization of the truth and the possession of divine life. For these reasons, the convert, the convert catechism does not follow the beaten path in imparting religious instruction, but is composed of an entirely new plan to fa facilitate the labor both of the inquirer and the instructor. Part one insists of the necessity of serving God as God ordains in revelation, especially taught by his divine son. It shows the necessity of, the of a divine church, infallibly guided by God, to teach man how to live as a child of God and heir to the kingdom of heaven when he, when he has once mastered this principle of divine authority. The inquirer is prepared to accept whatever the divine church teaches on faith. Interesting. Morals and the means of grace, all which is clearly stated in part two of this catechism. The scope of this little work prevented the author from entering into the reason and authority of religion. For additional reading, he therefore refers the convert to his manual theology for the laity, of which six editions have been issued in three years. Okay, so let's go to Catholic Church on creation. Okay. So this is from, the, the, it goes with question, answer, question, answer. So I think that's quite easy for us to follow along. On creation and the fall of man, question. What does the Catholic Church teach on creation of the world and the fall of our first parents? Answer. On the creation of the world and the fall of our first parents, the Catholic Church teaches as divinely revealed that, 
1. God created all things in time for his glory and the welfare of his creatures. 2. God created angels and men in original justice, endowed them with intelligence and free will, and subjected them to a trial. No. I'll explain why my no is a no. 3. The supernatural joys of heaven were to be the reward of the fidelity of angels and men. Hmm. Four, some angels rebelled against God and were cast into hell. Five, God gave a man, God gave a man a guardian angel. Six, man tempted by Satan ate of the forbidden fruit and lost his right to heaven. Seven, human nature was weakened but not essentially changed by original sin. Eight, all mankind is descended from Adam and Eve. Nine, God created every human soul. Ten, the guilt of original sin is transmitted to the children of Adam by generation. Eleven, God promised mankind a redeemer. Okay, so let's go through the ones I don't agree with, right? Let me just go through all of it. Number one, God created all things in time for his glory and the welfare of his creatures. Yes. I agree with that. God created angels and men in original justice, endowed them with intelligence and free will, and subjected them to a trial. No, God did not subject anyone to a trial, right? In terms of like the angels, he did not subject the angels to a trial. We know this because we have read already how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations, okay? For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the congregation on the farther side of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. I will be like the most high. Okay, keep that in mind. Let's go to the book of Revelation. Okay, Revelation chapter 12. Let's start from um, verse 1. Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. Then being with child, she cried in labor in, uh, in labor and in pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and seven diadems on his head. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And this dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. Now, this is telling you about the fall of Lucifer. This is not telling you that there was a trial, right? God didn't put a trial in front of the angels. Lucifer is the one who set in his heart that he wanted to be like the most high. And with this, he drew a third of the stars. Basically, a third of the angels fell from heaven with him. You know what I mean? And there he lay waiting um, when he did this, when he fell from heaven. Or some people can say cast out of heaven, ready to devour the child. And that was Jesus, basically. Um, but we're not talking about this prophecy necessarily. I know that some of it could be a little bit confusing, but another time we'll delve, delve deep into this. But angels were not subjected to a trial, right? And humans were not subjected to a trial either, necessarily. They were just told, they were given a command. That's not a trial. It's just a command. Now, you, we failed that. We failed to obey that. So it wasn't like, oh, let's see who's going to stand. Let's see at the end of the day who's going to come out on top. No, it's just this has happened. You know, Lucifer has drawn a third of the stars with him. There's fallen angels now. Do not eat of this tree. 
and they failed. You know what I mean? The supernatural joys of heaven were meant to be a reward for the fidelity of angels and men. And men. No, heaven was, it, it, it's, it wasn't a reward for angels. It was their home. And it wasn't a reward for man. Our home was meant to be earth. You know what I mean? And is going to be earth. How do I know that it's going to be earth? Let's go back to the book of Revelation. Let's just go to the book of Revelation. And I've read this so many times. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw a holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard with a loud voice from God, heaven saying behold the tabernacle of god is with men he will dwell with them and they shall be his people god himself will be with them and be their god we were meant to dwell on earth hence why there's going to be a new earth created and we're going to live on earth if if heaven was meant to be our reward before the fall of man that doesn't make any sense it doesn't make any sense that now we wouldn't dwell in heaven forever and ever but we would dwell on earth forever and ever so Already, there are some eh, there. You know what I mean? Um, some angels rebelled against God and were cast into hell. They were not cast into hell. They were cast out of heaven. They were cast out of heaven. That's what the Bible says. And they came on earth. You know what I mean? Um, let's carry on. Um, God gave a man a guardian angel. Man tempted by Satan ate of the forbidden fruit and lost his right to heaven. Man didn't live in heaven. Man lived on earth. What man lost was being able to see God face to face. What man lost was a free life of no diseases, no sickness, no pain, no sorrow, no pestilence, which is diseases, but no famine. Um, we lost out on a sinless life, basically, but we were not meant to be dwelling in heaven, nor did we have a right necessarily to go to heaven. That would have been God's choice, but now nowhere is written in the Bible that we lost our rights to heaven. Human nature was weakened, but not essentially changed by original sin. Human nature was definitely weakened, and I would also say that changed because our human nature was not meant to be a sinful one. We were not meant to die. We were not meant to die at the age of two, at the in the in our mother's womb. We were not meant to die young, old, whatever. We were not meant to die. So human nature was changed. Our appearance wasn't changed, but our minds, sin has weakened us, it has corrupted us, and we have changed over the years. All mankind is descended from Adam and Eve. Agreed. God created every human soul. God, God creates every human soul. Agreed. The guilt of original sin is transmitted to the children of Adam by generation. I agree. God promised mankind a redeemer. I agree. Okay. Let's look at the meaning of life. To be honest with you, I haven't really found the meaning of life in terms of like the Catholics, but based on what I read regarding like their beliefs in God, the father, God, the son, and the God, the Holy Spirit, it's like their meaning of life is to basically, you know, go to heaven. For Christ to return and they'll go to heaven. But in that, their meaning of life from what I've read, like I said, it's not a general scope. It's their, their meaning of life is, you know, you, you, you will not surely die. People don't truly die. 
you go to heaven or purgatory. You know what I mean? Um, our meaning of life is basically to be part of a Catholic church and to follow the Catholic doctrines and dogmas. Um, you know, so that's really what I'm getting from the meaning of life from the, when it comes to the Catholics. But essentially, them, they cloak themselves in the Bible truth, in biblical truth. But the Bible says, beware of wolves in sheep clothing. This is what I would describe the Catholic church as. And most religions that I will be speaking of, that I am speaking of, to be honest with you, beware of wolves in sheep clothing. These are the religions that sound good, like I'm saying. They don't really convict the soul. They tell you that, you know what, come, we'll look after you. And I'm not saying this from my own point of view, but they're basically um, said... In their own writing, they said, um, when, he has, when he has once mastered this principle of divine authority, the inquirer is prepared to accept whatever the divine church teaches on faith. This is why most people, I believe anyway, this is our personal opinion, in the Catholic church are sheep, as in like they're asleep. The Catholic church, they jump, they jump. They don't even ask, how, they just jump, you know what I mean? Um, this is that. The more you get in tune with their teachings, the more you're willing to accept and ready to accept whatever it is that they teach you when it comes to faith. This is why throughout history, the Catholic Church has gotten in trouble, has done, has killed lots of Christians who protested their beliefs. You know what I mean? And if you look up in history as well, the Pope himself was arrested because of his crimes. <laughs> so this is dangerous, I think. To establish yourself, to say we will, people will accept whatever we teach them after we have massaged them a little bit and have penetrated their souls and their thoughts is dangerous. Stay away from things like this. Be careful. Be aware of things like this and religions and teachings like this. Day of worship. Let's go to the Catholic day of worship. Okay. The third commandment. What is the third commandment? Answer. The third commandment is remember that thou keep holy the Sabbath day. Question. Which is the Sabbath day? Answer. Saturday is the Sabbath day. Question. Why do we observe Sunday instead of Saturday? Answer. We observe Sunday instead of Saturday because the Catholic Church in the Council of Laodicea, AD 336, transferred the solemnity from Saturday to Sunday. Let me pause right there. Let me go and read you about the Laodicean church that is written about in the Bible. The lukewarm church. This is Revelation 3 verse 14. And I'm not saying that the Catholics and uh, this church particularly were in cahoots, but I just want you to, to hear about the Laodiceans, what the Laodiceans are written about, what's written about the Laodiceans in the Bible. Yeah. And to the angel of the church of Laodiceans write, These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of creation of God. That's talking about Jesus. I know your works, that you are neither hot nor cold. I could wish you were hot or cold. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither hot, cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich, I've become wealthy and have need of nothing. And do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. 
I counsel you to buy me from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with the eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. To whom who overcomes, I'll grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his, on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. The Catholic Church is saying, in the Council of Laodicea, AD 336, transferred the solemnity from Saturday to Sunday. But God is giving, Jesus is giving a warning to the Laodicean church. Isn't that interesting? That they are full of themselves. They say we are rich, we are this, but they are actually naked, wretched. Isn't that interesting? That the Catholic Church says, we have changed the Sabbath day from Saturday, right, to Sunday. Isn't that interesting? Why did the Catholic Church substitute Sunday for Saturday? Answer, the Catholic Church substituted Sunday for Saturday because Christ rose from the dead on a Sunday and the Holy Ghost descended upon the apostles on a Sunday. Doesn't the commandment says, remember that, that thou keep holy the Sabbath day? Doesn't the book of Genesis, when it comes to the Sabbath day, say, thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, sanctified it. Because in it, he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. If the Sabbath day is sanctified, right? And God rested on the Sabbath day. And when we go to Revelation chapter 20 and we read the third, well, it's not the third commandment, first of all. It's the fourth commandment, by the way. Okay, just so I clear the air the Catholic Church says it's a third commandment. The Bible says it's a fourth commandment. Why? Because the Catholic Church removed, removed one commandment from the Bible and split another commandment into two, thus making the fourth commandment the third commandment because they removed from there, you shall not make yourselves a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or on earth beneath. They removed that. Because they know that they're idol worshippers, even though they deny it. Anyway, the Bible says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant. And it goes on and it goes on. And it says, therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. It's part of the Ten Commandments. Why? Why would then now God decide we are go I am going to change the Sabbath day? But the Catholics aren't even saying that. They're saying we change the Sabbath day. We, with the Council of the Laodicea, and, you know, the Council of Laodicea, we change the Sabbath day because you know Christ rose on the um, on the Sunday and the Holy Spirit was breathed to them on the Sunday. Therefore, we decided that it's gonna be 
the Sabbath day. Are you guys awake yet? Are you guys awake yet? Or are you still sleeping? Okay, let's carry on. By what authority did the church substitute Sunday for Saturday? The church substituted Sunday for Saturday by the plenitude of that divine power which Christ bestowed on her. When? When did Christ bestow this on her? Didn't they just say they changed it because Christ resurrected and breathed the Holy Spirit on them? But then now they're saying that Christ bestowed this power on her, on the church. Did, did he? Okay. What does the third commandment, um, what does the third commandment command? Between you and me, fourth commandment. So I'm just going to, yeah, but let me just read what they have written. But it's a fourth commandment, people. Don't be deceived. The third commandment commands us to sanctify Sunday as the Lord's day. What? But we have just read that. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Right? Six days you shall live and do your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath day of the Lord your God. And they have just said themselves, which is the Sabbath day? They have just said, Saturday is the Sabbath day. And then they go on to say the third commandment commands us to sanctify Sunday as the Lord's day. Are you guys awake yet? Or are you guys still sleeping? What does the third commandment forbid? The third commandment forbids the omission of prayer and divine worship. Their necessary severe work Whatever hinders the keeping, the Lord stay holy. But if we go in the Bible, it says, In it you shall do no work, nor you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor the stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. No way is it saying that you shall not, what? the omission of prayer and divine worship. It does not say that necessarily. It's saying just don't do any work. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. But we tend to go to church on the Sabbath day. We tend to worship God on the Sabbath day because that makes sense. We are doing no work, so let us reserve this time to worship our God, our creator. You know what I'm saying? Is the desecration of the Lord's day a grievous matter? The desecration of the Lord's day is a grievous matter in itself, though it admits a light matter, of, of light matter. It's not. It's a commandment. We will be judged against these very things. We will be, we will be tested against these very things. The Ten Commandments aren't there for bans. They're not there just to... to, to be pretty. Are you guys awake yet? How can a church say this Tawonga? What is a Sabbath day? Saturday is a Sabbath day. What day do you worship Sunday? Why? Because uh, we changed it. Why did you change it? Because we had council. We had a meeting with the Laodiceans and we basically said we're going to change it. But what gave you the authority? What Jesus did? How <laughs> does that make sense? <laughs> it doesn't make sense, guys. Are we, are we awake yet? Let's continue. Let's continue. The origins of evil. Let's go to the Catholics and the origins of evil. The origins of evil. We've already gone through the origins of evil where um, they believe that basically angels, 
the angels were subjected to a trial and they failed the trial and then some of the angels um uh, rebelled against god and were cast into hell and they're the ones satan tempted man um that's the origins of evil but i think by now biblically we know the origins of evil started with satan and the satan alone it started with lucifer you know what i mean it started with lucifer and that's lucifer corrupted other angels it's like me getting an idea no let me not even go that far have you guys heard of cults yeah you've heard of cults i don't know why i'm even saying this if you have heard of david koresh or you've heard about other cult leaders it starts they are part of a body a, a particular church but then they start whispering they start whispering things in other people's ears and preaching their own beliefs and stuff. And people start following them people. And before you know it, they have drink, drunk cyanide or whatever it is. And they're dead in a field or they're in Texas Waco and the whole thing is burning and they're all burned to death. Because that's what Satan did. Satan corrupted the minds of other angels, convinced them that God was not just, that God was not fair. Hence why in the Bible, the angels, when they worship or the 24 elders or the saints in, in heaven, they say, your, 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 your judgments are just. And we will cry that your judgments are just, O oh Lord, because it's all about whether God is just or not. And Satan told the other angels, he's not just, it's not right, it's not fair. Hence why they were cast out of heaven. So when it comes to the origins of evil, their beliefs actually differed with the Bible's beliefs. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that God subjected these angels to a trial. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that Satan and these angels were subjected to a trial and therefore they rebelled God. They rebelled against God. It doesn't say that. But they did. Satan did rebel against God and convinced other angels and he, the, the tale um, drew the third of the stars with him right so um catholics on jesus we have read that what they believe when it comes to jesus they believe that jesus is the son of god who is jesus christ jesus christ is the son of god the second person of the blessed trinity true god and true man what is the blessed blessed trinity the blessed trinity is the union of three divine persons in one god why is jesus christ true god jesus christ is true god one because in him were, were fulfilled the prophecies made concerning the messiahs i don't know why there's a plural on messiahs it's just the messiah <laughs> two because he proved his divinity by his miracles especially by his resurrection from the dead three because his church has triumphed over the powers of hell and he predicted as he predicted right see matthew um, three chapter 17 or look three verse 22 let's go matthew 3 17 matthew 3 verse 17 um it says and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying this is my beloved son in whom i am well pleased so because his church triumphed over the powers of hell as he predicted see luke 3 verse 22 Luke 3, verse 22. And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. Um, I don't know what 
this links to because his church has triumphed over the powers of hell as he predicted. I don't get how these two have, the two verses we've just read have got a link to the church triumphing over powers of hell. I, I, I'm, I'm confused, guys. I don't know why how the two verses link to what they're claiming. Um, but let me just move on. Why is Jesus Christ true man? Jesus Christ is true man because he has a human mother and a human body and soul like others. Has Had Jesus Christ a human father? Jesus Christ had no human father. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Ghost. Yes, I, 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 I agree, but also he did have Joseph. Joseph was his earthly dad, let's be real. Who is the mother of Jesus Christ? The Blessed Virgin Mary is the mother of Jesus Christ. Um, how many natures are there in Jesus Christ? In Jesus Christ, there are two natures, the nature of God and the nature of man. Is Jesus Christ more than one person? Jesus Christ is but one divine person. Why is there but one person in Jesus Christ? There is but one person in Jesus Christ because his human nature never existed independently of his divinity. He was united to it at the moment his soul was created. What do we call the union of the divine and the human nature in Jesus Christ? The union of the divine and the nature of Jesus Christ we call the incarnation of the Son of God. The Word was made flesh. How many wills are there in Jesus Christ? In Jesus Christ, there are two wills, a human and a divine will. Hmm. Yo, exercise caution when it comes to that part. You know what I mean? Um, in Jesus Christ, as he is in heaven, there is one will. There is the divine will. There is the godly will. Actually, when he was on earth, there wasn't a manly will either. The man will, there was the will of his father. That's all he did was the will of his father. I do the will of my father. You should do the will of my father. That's why he was teaching us. When Jesus was on earth, was teaching us to pray to the father, to depend on the father, to do the will of the father, because he said he's doing the will of the father. So the will of man, you're meant to die to self. In the words of Paul, you know, you die to yourself daily, pick up your cross, you know what I'm saying? Um, so, they believe in Jesus Christ, but I think it's wishy-washy, if you understand. It's wishy-washy the things that they believe. It doesn't make sense. Um, some of it, it's quite made up. It's not biblical. It's not spiritual whatsoever. Um, <clears throat> where are they getting this information from? Because I don't see it in the Bible. So, the Catholic Church on um, salvation, okay, the Catholic Church on Salvation. So I suppose for me to read the Catholic Church on Salvation, I kind of need to read um, what they believe when it comes to sin. What is sin? Sin is any willful, willful breaking of God's law. Which are the seven capital sins or sources of sin? The seven capital sins or sources of sin are pride, covetousness, lust, anger, gluttony, envy, and sloth. Not biblical. One. Sin of the angels, consequence of their trial. Who committed the first sin? The rebellious angels committed the first sin. What are, what, what are angels? Angels are pure spirits created to adore, love, and serve God in heaven. Why did God try the angels? God tried the angels that they might earn their reward in heaven. Not true, not biblical. So where are they getting the information from? You understand what I'm saying? Unless they've got another God, they've got their own God who's giving them this information to deceive the many, the masses, right 
how did God try the angels? Um, God tried the angels by giving them command, a, a commandment. What commandment did God give an, the angels? It is a probable opinion. What? It is a probable opinion that God revealed to the angels the mystery of the incarnation and commanded them to adore the God-man. Hebrew 1 verse 4. Let's go. Let's not tarry. Do not tarry. Turn your Bibles to Hebrew chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 4. What does it say? Having become so much better than the angels as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they let's read from verse one shall we god who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers of the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his son whom he has appointed heir of all things through whom also he made the worlds who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins and sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. What is he talking about? It is a probable opinion. Let's let's keep it. It's just that. It's an opinion that God revealed the angels the mystery of the incarnation and commanded them to adore the God-man. It's not true. And what what Hebrews chapter 1 is saying is talking about God's supreme revelation, but through Jesus Christ. So when Jesus became flesh and he was on earth, that's God's supreme revelation. And he obtained a more excellent name than they because he, he is God's begotten son. He died on the cross for us. He died for our sins. He is our intercessor. He is our high priest. The angels are created beings. Of course he has obtained a more excellent name. He has by inheritance. By inheritance. Don't Let's not skirt over that. If they wanted us to read Hebrews chapter 1 verse 4, let's read just that. Having become so much better than the angels as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. He was born this way. You know what I mean? He was born to be God. So he was born already obtaining a much more excellent name than they. You know what I mean? So God did not command them to adore Jesus he did not command them. It's not biblical. It's nowhere in the Bible. Where are we getting this information from? Beware of wolves in sheep clothing. They will lead you astray. They will tell you, look, we have obtained the truth. We have got the truth and you will be led astray. They are wolves after all. Nowhere in the Bible does it say this. And the fact that they say it is a probable opinion, stay away. Why are we using opinions when it comes to the word of God? When it comes to holy things, why are we using opinions? The Bible says, be holy for I am holy. Why are we saying it's my opinion? It's a probable opinion. I can give you a probable opinion. That would sound good. But it doesn't mean that I'm going to preach it as the truth. So don't preach it as the truth. Remember, this is the convert catechism. This is a, a thing that they use for a convert, for somebody who's, not a non, who's a non-Catholic, so that they may change and be transformed so that they can be a Catholic. This is what they're teaching you. So why don't you believe in Catholicism, Tonga? Why not Catholicism? This is why. It's a lot of truth mixed with error. They're neither hot nor cold. 
right? They are, they are, they are spewing a lot out there that is not right. Okay. What sin did the angels commit? Some of the angels committed a sin of pride and disobedience in transgressing, transgressing God's commandment. What was the consequence of the trial of the angels? The consequence of the trial of the angels was that the good angels were taken to heaven and the rebellious angels were cast into hell. Where were they? Where were they in the first place, if not heaven? Because if we go back and visit Revelation, Revelation chapter 12, his tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. So what are we talking about? Where were they? And God did not cast anyone into hell. Okay? And, and you can say, so where is Satan now? Where is Satan now? Satan is like a spirit. We can't see Satan. He can take many forms of a man, but we can't see him physically. Satan could be with you where you are. You can't see him. That's why the Bible says, I read last week, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, you know. Um, so let's continue. Um, what do we now call the rebellious angels? We now call the rebellious angels demons, devils, or bad angels. Who was the leader of the rebellious, rebellious angels? Lucifer was the leader of the rebellious angels. What do bad angels do now? The bad angels oppose the design of God by tempting man to sin. What do good angels do for us? The good angels pray for us, oppose the designs of the evils and appointed by God as the guardian angel. Um, let's look. Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter 18, verse 10. It says, Take heed that you do not despise one another for these little ones. For I say to you that in heaven, the angels always see the face of my father who is in heaven. What is original sin? Original sin is a sin we inherit from Adam, the father of the human race. In what does original sin as we inherit it practically consist? Original sin as we inherit it practically consists of this privation of the friendship of God. Why do we inherit the sin of Adam? We inherit the sin of Adam because by God's positive design revealed to Adam, Adam was head of the human race, was to act in the name of mankind in preserving or losing our original justice and holiness. Who were the first parents? Our first parents were Adam and Eve. Um, where Were Adam and Eve innocent and holy when God created them? Adam and Eve were innocent and holy when God created them. What commandment did God give Adam and Eve? To try their obedience, God commanded Adam and Eve not to eat of the certain fruit which grew in the garden of paradise. Um, how did Adam and Eve sin? Eve was tempted by Satan under the form of a serpent and ate the forbidden fruit. She then persuaded Adam to do the same. What befell Adam and Eve on account of their sin? On account of their sin, Adam and Eve lost innocence and holiness and were doomed to sickness and death. Which, of, which were the chief blessings intended for Adam and Eve had they remained faithful? The chief blessings intended for Adam and Eve had they remained faithful were a state of constant happiness in this life without pain, death and everlasting happiness in heaven. What do we now inherit from Adam? We now inherit the sin of Adam it's punishment, just as we would have inherited the happiness of our first parents if they had remained faithful. Um, let me just carry on. Um, now I'm going to go for more to sin. What is actual sin? 
Um, actual sin is a willful thought, desire, word, deed, or omission forbidden by the law of God. How is actual sin divided? Actual sin is divided into mortal sin and venial sin. What is mortal sin? Mortal sin is a grievous offense against the law of God. Um, how is mortal sin committed? Mortal sin is committed by transgressing the, transgressing the law of God in a serious, grievous matter while adverting adverting to the gravity of the transgression and three acting with a bad will what are the consequences of mortal sin the consequences of mortal sin are one loss of sanctifying grace two enmity of god three the slavery of satan four penalty of torments of hell is mortal sin a great evil is mortal sin a great evil mortal sin is the greatest evil in the world because it rose man of god and heaven and great the greatest good which are the six sins against the holy ghost the six sins against the holy ghost are presumption despair resisting the known truth envy of another spiritual good obstinacy in sin and final impenitence what do reprobates suffer in hell in hell the reprobates suffer suffer an agony of remorse and despair for having lost eternal happiness they are the slaves of satan in prison and tortured by avenging fire None of this is biblical, guys. None of this is biblical. Venial sin, purgatory. What is venial sin? Venial sin is a slight offense against the law of God. How is venial sin committed? Venial sin is committed by transgressing the transgressing the law of God. One, in a light manner. Two, without sufficient knowledge of or full consent of the will. Question: What are the consequences of venial sin? The consequences of venial sin are one, the lessening of the love of God, two, disposing the soul of to, um, to mortal sin, three, the penalty of temporal punishment. What is temporal punishment? Temporal punishment consists of remorse, sickness, and it reverses in this life and in the pains of purgatory in the next life. What is purgatory? Purgatory is a state of which the, those suffer for a time who die guilty of venial sins or who die without having fully satisfied for the punishment due to their forgiven sins. How can we satisfy in this life for the temporal punishment due to sin? In this life, we can satisfy for the temporal punishment due to sin by prayer, fasting, alms deeds, by spiritual and corporal works of mercy, and by the patient suffering of the ills of life not biblical whatsoever it's it's heretic actually it's heretical in fact you know um there's only one sin that is described as the unpardonable sin in the bible only one okay and only one now listen to this we've just you've just heard about mortal sin and venial sin and what mortal sin is and you know because when you when you do mortal sin you are condemned to hell um and the mortal sin uh mortal sins what are the consequences of mortal sins where is it what is mortal sin a mortal sin is grievous against offense against the law of god no Sin is the transgression of the law, Gen period. That's what sin is, the transgression of the law, which is the law. The, the commandments that they've changed, they've transgressed it already. That's that's the, the mortal sin that they're talking about. They're not even self-aware. Anyway, um, the consequences of mortal sin are one, loss of sanctifying grace, two, enmity of God, and three, slavery of Satan, four, the penalty of the torments of hell, Okay. 
The Bible says, Therefore I say to you, Matthew 12, verse 31 and 32, Therefore I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men. But the blasphemy against the spirit will not be forgiven men. Anyone who speaks a word against the son of man, it will be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him, either in this age or the age to come. Why are we putting sins into categories? All the sins are in one category, but one sin is an unpardonable sin. And how do you grieve the Holy Spirit? How do you get to the point where you are you, you the the you are not pardoned for the sin against the Holy Spirit? When the Holy Spirit is reaching out to you, convicting you, and you keep ignoring and doing your own thing until you are so far gone, there is no light in you. It's just pure darkness. You have grieved the Holy Spirit. He was calling. You ignored. You understand? Now that sin will not be forgiven you. How can you be forgiven of that sin? You don't even know. You've chosen. You've set your you've set you've you've sealed your judgment yourself. You've put the nail in the coffin yourself. I don't want this. Okay? So there is no venial sin. There is no purgatory. Because we can go straight to the Father and ask for forgiveness of our sins. You understand me? Um, so to separate the sins into different categories is to tell people that, you know, this sin, this type of sin is it's all right. And, and to believe in purgatory is to believe that first deception. Remember how spiritualism, I said spiritualism started and when it started, you will not surely die. The Catholics believe you will not surely die. You either go to hell straight away or you go to purgatory. And when you go to purgatory, you work your way up and you can go to heaven. How, Sway? How does that work? You know what I mean? And nowhere in the Bible does it separate sins and say this sin is better than this sin. There are some sins that the Lord says it's an abomination, but all sin is disgusting to God. You understand? These are not my words, people. So don't be offended by Tawonga. If these words offend you, God is offending you. And if God is offending you, listen, the, the Bible says to the law and to the testimony, if they do not speak of these words, it means there is no light in them. So forgive me for speaking what God is saying. Forgive me for speaking very matter-of-factly. Forgive me, but this is the truth. And what the Catholic Church is here teaching us is not truth. Okay? Now, judgment when will man be judged? Man will be judged at the moment of death and at the end of the world. Who will be man's judge? Jesus Christ will be man's judge. I agree, Jesus Christ will be man's judge. Why will Jesus Christ judge man? Jesus Christ will judge man because he has acquired dominion over man by paying the price of his ransom. How will Jesus Christ judge man at the hour of death? Jesus Christ will judge man at the hour of death as God. How would Jesus Christ judge man at the end of the world? Jesus Christ would judge Jesus Christ will come with great power and majesty as the God man at the end of the world and judge angels and men. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Why will man be judged at the hour of death? Man will be judged at the hour of death to receive his reward or punishment. 
not true why will man be judged at the end of the world man will be judged at the end of the world one to vindicate the providence of god before the world two to reward the elect publicly three to overwhelm the reprobate reprobate with public confusion not true not biblical what will take place before the general judgment before the general judgment the resurrection of the dead will take place how will the dead rise on the last day the dead will rise on the last day through the power of god their creator why will man's body rise on the last day man's body will rise on the last day to share in the reward or punishment as it shared in the good or wicked deeds of life let's go to this okay let's go to this First Thessalonians 4 verse 13. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. Remember last week we talked about how death is a mere sleep and the Bible describes it as sleep. Lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. Wow. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring him, will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that he, we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord would by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself would descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then who, we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Okay, that's our salvation, salvation, yeah? In 1 Corinthians, um, verse 52, um, especially, but I'm going to start from 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. Remember, we've just read about some who will not sleep, who will not die. So Jesus will find some people alive on earth, but others will be asleep and they'll be resurrected. Listen, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible. The dead in Christ, we've just read that in First Thessalonians, right? Will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and the mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in, his, in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? Okay, the sting of the sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory for our Lord Jesus. It's through only through Jesus are we going to be saved. It's only through Jesus who we where we get salvation. It's not by avoiding this sin or avoiding that sin. It's by giving our life to Jesus, by having a relationship with Jesus. Because sin is the transgression of the law. Now, if we are abiding in Jesus, we're living in Jesus and he in us, we are going to be searching ourselves. We're going to ask God to search us, to reveal to us our, our, our hearts, our wicked ways, to try us truly so that we may truly repent and we may follow him, right? 
Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Now, let's go to Revelation. Let's go to Revelation chapter 20. The great white throne judgment from verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged each according to their works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Beware of wolves in sheep clothing who teach you false truths, who teach you things that do not make any sense, okay? There is no purgatory. There is no in-between. You die now. You will surely die. But that first death, if you die in Christ, amen, because that's asleep. That's known as sleep. And if you don't die in Christ, you are still sleeping. But guess what? You may as well just sleep forever, but you will resurrect too. Those who are dead in Christ will resurrect and meet and, 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 and ascend to heaven. And those who are found alive will meet them in the air and their corruptible will put on incorruptible. Their mortality will put on immortality. Okay, now we have just read about the second death. This is the great white throne judgment. This is the judgment of the wicked. There will be judged. Two books will be open. One, your works. Two is your name in, written in the book of life. Your works aren't just. You are not in the book of life. You will be cast into uh, the lake of fire. Don't be deceived by this doctrine that tells you you will not die. Everybody will get a chance or you will live forever, but you'll just be living in eternal hell. This is known as the second death. Hell is death. Hell is the separation of you and God forever. You might as well be dead. That's death. In the beginning, it said you will surely die. In Revelation chapter 20, it's telling you about the second death. You will surely die. Be not deceived, friends. Be not deceived, okay? So Tawanga, why not? Why not Catholicism? Catholicism is a no from me because it doesn't teach you the truth. Catholicism cloaks itself in Christianity, but to be Christian, to move as a Christ follower, to be a Christ follower, you must preach Christ's truth, and they do not preach that. If they're going to say it is a probable opinion, that's not truth. If they're going to say, well, through the council of Laodicea, we changed the Sabbath day that was established in the beginning. That's not truth. Are you awake yet, friends? Or are you still sleeping? The one thing so far that all these religions have in common is a self-governance. They govern themselves. We believe in this, but govern yourself. The Catholic Church says we believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the Catholic Church. Remember when I read to, to that to you in the beginning? Remember when I read that in the beginning? Or have you forgotten? Right? When I read to you that 
when I read to you that they believe in the Holy, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of the sins. We believe in God and we believe in the Catholic Church. We believe that through the chipping away of what we believe, the convert may be fully subject to what we teach them. Beware of these people. Beware of false prophets. Beware of wolves in sheep clothing. If they do not preach according to the words of the Bible, to the law and to the testimony, if they do not preach the law, the Old Testament, if they do not preach the testimony, the New Testament, that means there is no light in them if they have telling you this is our opinion do not listen to an opinion of man listen to the fact of god listen to the truth of god if they tell you that we gave ourselves the authority through this council it doesn't come from god there is nowhere in the bible where the sabbath day was changed but there is somewhere in the bible where it's predicting a certain power who will change times and laws and guess what they did they changed the 10 commandments to represent what they want the 10 commandments to be completely removed the third commandment they completely removed that they com they changed um times they changed the sabbath the sabbath day from saturday to sunday the bible talks about that in the book of daniel but friends that's a story for another day but these are they this is the catholic church you know what i'll link it in the description where it says this in the book of daniel and i'll link all the th the sources that i've read from just in case you think that i am making things up but Read your Bibles. Do not be deceived. Do not be conformed by the things of the preachings of other people. If a priest, whatever church you go to, whatever denomination, if they say this is the truth, search the scriptures and find out for yourself. Pray for divine wisdom to fall upon you. The book says that wisdom is given to anyone who seeks it. The, the book of Hebrews says that God gives, uh, gives to those who seek him diligently. And he, ah, the Bible says, says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given unto you. Seek God's wisdom. Seek God's righteousness. Seek God's truth and all these things will be given to you. And you will find yourself finding it much easier in life. But when you rely on man to forgive your sins, why do you go home and you're still anxious? Why do you go home still feeling guilty? When you rely on man to tell you that you you have to pay for, for the praying for the dead of your dead. And we'll cover this one day as well when it comes to the Catholic Church and what they believe when it comes to the dead. But through their own words, right, through their own words, the Catholic Church believe that man is immortal. The Catholics say, from the moment of conception, every person has a unique and immortal soul. Death is the moment the soul is separated from the body, not a moment when the soul ceases to exist. That's crazy, isn't it? You will not surely die. This is the biggest deception of all time and it's carried on through the ages it links all the other false religions yes i said it false religions it links all of them because they've got that one thing in common you will not surely die you're a self-governance the catholic church has got the most authority over all the churches because it was given authority by god but through their own merits da, 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 da. you will not surely die that's the link that so far i'm forming with all these churches and it's dangerous with these religions, um, sorry, it's dangerous, okay? 
if the Bible says, if Catholics say they're Christians, but they claim that man is immortal, they claim that they're Christians, but they claim that they changed the Sabbath day, they claim that they're Christians, but they claim that, you know, things that are not biblical, that's not Christianity. That's not Christianity. That's the spirit of the Antichrist. You get what I'm saying? Um, and if the Bible says this mortal will put on immortality, it means we are not mortal. The fact that we die, it means, and the fact that it's described as sleep, it means that when we sleep at night, we know nothing. It means that when we're in the grave, we know nothing. And when Christ comes, if we die in Christ, that's when our mortal will put on immortality. That's when we will become immortal. But if you didn't die in Christ, your mortal will forever be mortal because you will be destroyed in the lake of fire. Please, friends, heed. Heed these words, for they are not mine, but they are true and they are faithful. Okay? They're not my words, but they are true and they are faithful. So I'll leave us with this, friends. I'll leave us with this. He who has an ear, let him hear. Wah, wah, wah. I'm sorry the episode is over, but please tune in next week for another exciting journey. Goodbye, goodbye, bye, bye, bye. Have good vibes.